Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. So this is probably going to be an R-rated version of the podcast because I'm sitting here, we've decided, I've decided that I got into this Hot Ones show uh, earlier in the year. And if you don't know Hot Ones, I'll link to it in the show notes. The show notes are at jonathanball.com slash 12. So the number 12. Um, but and what I'm going to have there is you know all sorts of information about the stuff we talk about and you know, links to things and I'll put a link to this Hot Ones YouTube show in case you're not aware of it, which is uh, when it, it's just this ridiculous YouTube show where as they're interviewing celebrities, uh, the guy is they're eating crazy hot wings and I just am obsessed with this idea and I really like hot food and uh, it just so happens that. Uh, my friends Keith Cadu and Adam Petrash are also uh, very into like hot sauces plus have both edited anthologies recently and I had edited an anthology uh, and so uh, I've invited them and also uh, Darren Ridgely, uh, Adam's uh, co-editor for this new anthology that uh, they just did. I'll let them tell you about the anthology in just a second. Um, anyway, we've decided stupidly <laughs> to <laughs> Basically, rip off hot ones. So, you know, I'm going to call it, we're calling it a homage. Adam decided, me and him yeah. were talking, we're going to call it a homage. Yeah, that's the right word. So, it's, it's basically, <laughs> a, it's like a homage slash rip off of the concept. Um, and we're just going to eat like crazy fucking spicy wings. And it's going to be horrible and stupid and painful. And as we're doing that, we're going to talk about editing anthologies, which is a topic I get, I mean, I, I get a lot of. Uh, questions about actually you know people who want to know uh, about editing anthologies you know, you know they see that as some sort of way either they want to be in an anthology and they just want more information about like what is an editor thinking you know when they're trying to select stories and so on or they're just themselves kind of thinking about you know maybe getting into editing anthologies and so on and while I have edited an anthology I don't actually know a whole lot about it which is something I'll explain in a moment um, but anyway, so the topic is editing. We're doing a bit of a round tail kind of panel. I've got some questions. Adam's got, you know, Adam has been in charge of the hot sauces and he's got these horrible, you know, <laughs> crazy hot sauces, including an actual hot one sauce. So it's a homage and we're throwing a little bit of money their way. Uh, and, you know, I, again, I'll link so you can check them out. Um, so our topic is editing anthologies. I've got some questions. Uh, we've got some wings. I'm going to have each of my guests just introduce themselves uh, so that you can connect your their voices to them. So let's just go around. Uh, we'll start with you, Keith, and um, introduce you. So as we go around, guys, like just kind of say who you are and give your name so people can connect the voice, but also maybe talk a bit about the, the actual books that you've uh, edited. So I co-edited an anthology called Why Poetry Sucks. An anthology humorous experimental Canadian poetry uh, with a friend of mine Ryan Fitzpatrick um, so that's my anthology uh, how about you Keith Hi, I'm Keith Cadu and uh, I edited uh, co-edited the shadow of reporters in Maine with my friend Dustin Gearart uh, which came out in 2016 and I've actually just finished editing a very small chat book called the new phantasmagoriana that Jonathan is actually in based on this event that we did at uh, the Winnipeg Writers' Festival this year. but So I, I have one whole book co-edited and a tiny book 
edit it as my credits. Yes, and if you listen to my uh, the podcast I did uh, with a bunch of other writers in a haunted house, which I think yeah. is episode eight, uh, so slash eight uh, or slash nine, I forget all of a sudden. Um, slash eight. <clears throat> I believe it's eight. Yeah. Um, so John Bonacon slash eight. You, you listen to the, where I'm talking to other writers with mm-hmm. who are yeah. going to be in the We're anthology. Yeah. Um, so that's Keith. Adam. Uh, I'm Adam Petrash. I'm one of the co-editors of Parallel Prairies: uh, Stories of Manitoba Speculative Fiction with Darren Ridgely. And I'm Darren Ridgely, the co-editor of Parallel Prairies: Stories of Manitoba Speculative Fiction with Adam. And I've just learned now as we've begun recording that I'm the only one at the table who is neither a fan of uh, hot ones or necessarily hot sauces, which means that I'm the idiot that they've all brought to dinner <laughs> for your amusement. So I hope you all have a great time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be fun. It's now, the, now, the thing about the hot ones, of course, again, if you haven't seen the show, uh, I've got 10 questions. You've got 10 increasingly hot sauces. Uh, we haven't like rated them, but they're pretty fucking hot like I gotta say <laughs> Some, you start with smaller we're getting hotter um, even though I'll just point out even though me Keith and Adam like do like hot sauces like at a certain point it doesn't matter how much hot sauce you had it's just still fucking it's still it's pain. still hot yeah, it's we've got some much. milk here at the table um, which you know it kind of vaguely helps slightly mildly but it honestly doesn't help that much we've got some whiskey which I think alcohol is supposed to help also I don't know if that's true You're pretty I've bad. heard that yeah. Um, there's not much. Keith brought some ice cream for us to yeah, later we'll on. See. <laughs> you know, which you know, um, if we can stomach it. We don't have any water. I just want to say, if you're a neophyte about hot sauces, what you should know is that water makes it worse. There's a misconception that water. I don't know why they have water offered on hot ones. It kind of drives me crazy. But there's a misconception that water makes it better. Water makes it worse. It spreads around your it's mouth. It's a placebo. It's placebo, yeah. but it also spreads it all around your mouth and gets it everywhere. Makes a great video. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's almost like people think that the Looney Tunes psych gag of a person's tongue yeah. catching fire is literal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it depends on the guest. Sometimes it. it's milk and sometimes it's beer. There's a few I hear beer works. Beer. You know, Keith doesn't bring beer, but then didn't. But we probably don't, don't need beer. Like well, this I was all worried better. about the milk and the ice cream. That 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 would yeah, be a bad like combination. Plus hot sauce. With the hot that would make you puke, maybe. I'll let you all know if beer makes me miserable. There you that's, that's what I'm rocking. So it's my idea to do this stupid fucking thing, and it's Adam's hot sauces. So me and him cannot tap out. <laughs> These guys shouldn't tap out, but th- there's less shame if they do. So what, what's this first so- wing? The first one we're sauce? having is just plain old Louisiana hot sauce. So Louisiana hot sauce, uh, great. So these are just like mild and get warming us up. So I'm just gonna ask questions. Then like we'll just kind of like everyone can answer the question. I'll answer some of these questions too. Uh, the first question is just like, how did the ideas for your anthologies come about? Like, where did you actually get their initial idea? I actually don't remember where I got my idea, like for why poetry sucks. I just had like, I thought it was a funny, I think it was because somebody had just put up an anthology like the new best writers in whatever, Canada. And I remember looking at it and thinking, wouldn't it be funny like if it was an anthology of like people who are supposed to suck? Because <laughs> it's always like, it's the, the hot new people under 30 or something. I was like, what if it was like just an anthology of people who's like, these are the worst <laughs> new writers in Canada. <laughs> Here's why poetry sucks. And then I thought, oh, that's a good title for anthology. So that's really all where my idea came from. All right. Well, the Shadow of Reporter Jermaine one actually came out of uh, mm. when I was in graduate school at the U of M. Quite a few of us were interested in, in creative writing. So there was a, like a couple of 
writers groups or like they would dissolve and, and various iterations of the sort of writers groups and those of us who stuck around long enough started to notice that everybody who was from Winnipeg all, it was always dark <laughs> yep. darker and darker and the longer that the out the, the out of town students stayed the darker it got um, so even people who like necessarily didn't start in Winnipeg and were interested in creative writing the longer they stayed here the more eerie and weird their stories became so we were like alright something something's going on we, we probably could even just collect them all since we're all clearly interested in the same sort of fucked up topics um, it, it goes together fairly cohesively and uh, then when we actually had a book like, so yeah the whole idea was just that Winnipeg makes you fucking strange. <laughs> Here's a bunch of strange people. Uh, so thematically and stuff, it didn't quite come together. And then uh, Jonathan, you you wrote a, <laughs> a foreword, and then David Annandale wrote an afterword that actually made it quite a bit more cohesive. So you saved uh, you saved the concept there. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> well, when I had to do my masters, actually, when I was going to UPAM, I did my masters program. One of the like one of the things I kind of was studying in my MA was this um, Winnipeg Gothic. But anyway, um, so you it kind of grew out of the writer groups then? But you guys, like, where did you get your ideas from initially? It, it just started out with this, uh, it was just a, a random what if, because we had each had about three short stories published each, and you had, a, and Adam had had a novella published, but we were getting to know a bunch of writers around the city who all dealt in genre fiction. And uh, one of us just texted to the other, hey, what if we... What if there was an anthology that just collected all the people who are writing genre fiction in Manitoba uh, between two covers, and we could um, just show everybody how many people there really are in the in the province doing that kind of work? And we just kind of sent feelers out and did a call out. And obviously, um, our anthology doesn't have everybody. There are plenty more people besides that. But it just started out with uh, wanting to shine a spotlight on the field of writers that exist. And we were able to get a pretty good collection going to represent that. Yeah, I'd say so. Like for me, it started when I was the books columnist for the Uniter, and I was starting to meet all these writers and seeing people in genre and what have you, like Camlet, everything. But I really gravitated towards people who were writing in genre because I tend to write very dark, whether it's Camlet, genre, whatever. And kind of, I want to say the anthology is kind of like this time capsule of where Darren and I have been for the past for mm. three to five years and that we're making all these relationships with all these new writers becoming fans of their work and we're just like we're such fans that we wanted to compile all of it together and like like Darren said have a showcase a spotlight of sure with the idea being that somebody will pick up the anthology read a, a short story by a particular author and go oh I really like that I want to see what else they've done oh it turns out they've written a novel uh, or they have a collection of their own, or they edited another anthology, and we wanted to, to um, you know, it sounds pretentious to say as if people need us for that, we don't think that they do, but we want to offer a doorway through which readers can discover uh, new writers that they hadn't heard of before. Yeah, I wasn't aware there was that many genre authors, personally, in Manitoba. Like, uh, I mean, obviously there's more than that, but like, yes. like I hadn't heard a lot of them. Like, I thought maybe I knew most of them, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, like, most of the, half the anthology, I don't. Uh, I've never actually, like, I've seen the names around, but I haven't necessarily like seen a lot of their stuff or anything. So I thought that was really interesting. 
Um, so this Thanks. next kind of question is just kind of feeding up on that. So, what's this next uh, wing that you're going to throw at we're us gonna, here? We're going to keep it mild still with some uh, <clears throat> Louisiana's pure crystal hot sauce. I'm, I'm keeping I like this Louisiana sauce a lot. I'm keeping it gentle for you guys. <laughs> so, just coming off that, so you've got an anthology idea. Um, how do you decide, like, what, what do you think makes a good anthology idea? Like, how do you decide what ideas are worth pursuing? Like, how do you decide your idea was actually worth pursuing and becoming an anthology? Uh, like for me it was simply that other people were really interested in it like I sometimes I don't always use that as a test but uh, I just couldn't find other stuff like it out there and yet at the same time people seemed when I talked to them interested in it so I was just kind of using that as my gauge we had the idea but I would say that Keith putting out Shadow was the the catalyst for thinking like okay this is a possibility Right, since Keith had taken that risk, and we're like, okay, there is a market for this, and knowing that, like I said previously, establishing those relationships and these people, I was kind of like a cheerleader for everyone, saying like, hey, have you have have you read Chadwick Ginther's books? Like, have you read Keith's Gaze? Like, all of that, right? And kind of being like, okay, and like Darren was touching on it before, right? people read this and maybe they'll go and adventure out to other people's work so we hadn't seen something like shadow is very horror related mm-hmm. fair right yeah. Yeah, well, yeah we wanted to expand that to like the urban fantasy authors that we know right mm-hmm. the science fiction authors we know Manitoba is a pretty cool place to write stories about mm-hmm. it does seem a real clean kind of follow to, sh- to shadow in some ways like the same press it's, it's not the same concept but as you say it's almost like an expanding out of the concept a little mm-hmm. bit totally sure and, and if and we wanted to give emerging voices a chance to be involved in a project like this and we do have people in this book who are emerging uh, some of whom are being published for the first time in parallel prairies and i wanted to be able to provide that opportunity to writers because there are good stories out there but they just don't find homes and the the field there are so many magazines and so many anthologies and they're big and they're small and you're submitting to some place that's based out of you know Texas and who knows if you have a shot and if you're a writer in Winnipeg or somewhere else in Manitoba and you have this story that you really think could find a home, well, here's a book that is literally for you. Mm-hmm. Here's a book that's literally for the genre that you write in, in the province that you live in, and you've got a better shot here than at a national publication or an international publication where you're up against 20,000 other people. Yeah. And if we can be the... Pr- if we can be the place where somebody gets that crucial first credit or that crucial, you know, momentum building second or third credit that keeps them moving forward, then that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, if I could, um, eliminating the stigma about writing about your hometown. Sure. You know, everyone's writing about Toronto or Vancouver yeah. or New York or some fictional place, right? Like, lots of writers connect to Manitoba, like, winters are long here. You know, yeah. they're cold, they're harsh, you know, they're great for creativity. Yeah, for sure. You know, so having a platform for that was really important to us. That stigma is weird because it's a very Canadian stigma. Like, cause Canadians have this idea, I think less so now, but still that, you know, Canadian publishers, I should say, have the idea that, you know, Americans don't want to read about Canadian settings, but Americans don't think that. Like, no American publishers think that. I once was talking to a science fiction author who like 
well, Robert J. Sawyer, who sets all his stuff in Canada explicitly, who publishes almost exclusively, at least he used to publish almost exclusively with American publishers. And he would say, I've never ever amassed in the States anything about the Canadian settings, but in Canada, everyone wants to know why I send my stories yeah. in Canada. <laughs> like, this is just a weird idea, but it is like an, an idea that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say like something similar that it, it is a canlet thing that you start regional and branch out. And if you are interested in any kind of genre writing, so for me it's horror and that was what Shadow, the, the hole we were filling was that if you are going, like if you have to follow this model of like you have to get in like a local magazine or local anthology before you're going to be noticed by, by the Ontario presses or whatever, some bullshit. Well, then there wasn't anything here uh, that, that was dealing with genre at all. Like, and none of the, the local uh, Manitoba publishers, like, they, do, they wouldn't seem to go near it, and they hadn't for quite a long time. So there, there was an older anthology that, Jonathan, you had actually lent me Yeah, uh, that was a horror anthology from uh, a Winnipeg publisher. But they wouldn't call it horror. It was gothic. And it, it, like it was so horror, like you guys. <laughs> yeah, like and they, they just they would avoid the something. word. Like, what's that need to tame thing, tame things down? I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I so, think it's called fresh blood, or I like, forget. But turnstone press. It was a down, yeah, from like the early nineties. Yeah, like, it's not a bad anthology. It was good. It was very like, and it like it had a, like really good cred in terms of the the authors that were in it. Uh, they were mm-hmm. all very very good, and they were like quote unquote traditional canlit authors doing very horror stories like they they were interesting topics and there's one uh, like by andre alexis that was that was like a legati story it was all like on language and the it was it was really interesting but they wouldn't call it horror and it was 12 15 years before and i hadn't seen anything quite come out like that since then so it it was not completely unprecedented there was uh, the desire for it existed in the back catalog of Manitoba writery stuff. Like it, it was in there, but no one was dealing with it right now. And because we, we this writers group that I already mentioned, like we were, that's all we were doing. So it was just like, let's see if we can get this picked up, and wh- whether or not someone will someone will buy it. And it, it did turn out. Did you keep? Do you still have that book of mine? Uh, I can't find that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just moved. It may. It may turn up. I, want that book I would back. love to lend it. I want yeah. that book back. I was just thinking about it. I was looking for it today, actually, when I was moving my books around. It was a really good book, and it's like an interesting cultural artifact yeah, because what? it's so timely. <laughs> <Where> you fucking stole <laughs> <laughs> My collection is complete. It does seem very of a piece, though, with the way that people are so um, hesitant to publish genre fiction or horror. Considering that in every other medium, this is what people want to see. Mm-hmm. TV and film and, and whatever else is, is dominated by speculative fiction or genre fiction of some kind. And I don't know why the literary world mm-hmm. um, continues to push back against it as much as they do. I well, feel there's less hesitancy, but at the same time, like I, I signed a contract not too long ago and it's, it explicitly like states that, you know... Like it's, there's a writer first refusal clause, and so it like lists the things that they have writer first refusal over. And I it was wondering, and and it, it doesn't pertain to genre work. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a horror novel, I wanted to have to submit for a writer first refusal. Now sometimes that's just because that's not the press does. In this case, it's just the brand identity of the press. It's just not what they do. So, but but in other instances, I think you're right that it's more of a. Uh, Mm-hmm. A weird bias. Like I don't think that's the case in this particular instance, but like I think it generally is more the case. Yeah, well, not in this instance, but my my first book, Gaze, which went through Quattro, 
uh, their submission guidelines said, like, we do not publish horror. Yeah, and I think that might be a grant funding huh. thing. And I, I think it was a matter of I wasn't calling it that. And then I think when I started to, they got a little <clears throat> more nervous <laughs> about what it was they had signed up for. As long as you don't call it high genre. Yeah. <laughs> high genre. Is that a new thing? <clears throat> it's a new thing, right? With oh all these God. new films coming out, right? Like Hereditary, Ooh. A Quiet Place. Horror has always been intelligent. I find that a little higher thing, like, you know, supposedly it collapsed and now everyone's just reinvested in it weirdly. So how did you guys actually develop your pitch and approach publishers? Now, I've got a weird story for that because I never, I want to know this because I actually never did this. (laughs) So what I did was I had the idea again, like, I just had this vague idea and I um, was like, so I'm like, okay, I'll Google, you know, humor anthology, poetry, Canada kind of thing. Oh yes, and this is what, what sauce is this again? This is question three. This, this is, is pain is good jalapeno. Pain is good jalapeno. Right. So um, it's green. It's tasty. everything else is weirdly orange. This is green. So I just Google like you know anthology humor Canada, and I get um, it, there's like not two things turned up, you know. And the most recent thing was this anthology Ooh. that uh, John Paul Fiorentino had done. Um, and this is, you know, years before, you know, any sort of controversy around Fiorentino really had blown up. So, but anyway, I, I'm like, so I, I got a hold of his email. I emailed him and I was like, hey, I know you did this anthology. Could you send me like a copy of your pitch or something? Because I don't know how like an anthology pitch would look for a humor thing. But I would like to like maybe pitch this anthology idea I've got. It's just called Why Poetry Sucks, like humorous experimental Canadian poetry. So anyway, if you could, if you don't mind, I would love to see your like copy your pitch, whatever. And yeah. so he never replied to me. Yeah. But then, like two weeks later, I get an email and it's like, "Hey, uh, call this number um, from him." And, and I call him up and he's like, "The book will come out spring 2014." Like he had lined a publisher up for it and everything. <laughs> I guess because I had forgotten, I wasn't thinking about it. But he is also like an editor, right? Yeah. So, you know, connected to this one press. So it, he basically, basically, I'd never pitched the book to a publisher I didn't even like talk to the publisher about the book they just like sent me a contract and said they wanted yeah. to publish the book so I still your, don't really know that like, was your pitch but I guess <laughs> but I wasn't like thinking of it like it wasn't really like I literally didn't approach a publisher it wasn't really yeah. a pitch so so how did you develop Keith I guess because because you first chronologically you know, like developed your pitch and approached uh Hanfield with Zanti, who, who yeah. I don't believe had really done an anthology project like that had they no they had only done one anthology before which was all focused on. Um, mm, it's delicious. Uh, yeah, this this one was wow, actually very really nice. nice. Very nice. I like that. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Uh, it's hot, but it's very tasty. Um, I don't find too hot yet. I'm not like I can well, feel a little bit, but I can feel it. Um, but yeah, I think that's hot. you yeah. Sorry, I, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. So they had only done one one anthology before which was called Friend Follow Text which the short stories were all around right? oh yeah I'd heard yeah, about that yeah. it was yeah. all focused on social media and I had reviewed it for uh, the Winnipeg Review and I really really liked it I was, I was quite impressed and similarly to our anthologies the, the, the range of career level was like there were people who had never published before they were really well established people but the stories were all quite good so that was like an interesting wake-up call in terms of of paying attention to that publisher uh, uh originally we, we had thought like maybe turnstone which has an in, imprint which is ravenstone yep. which was gothic and mystery gothic because they wouldn't do horror mm-hmm. um blah 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 <laughs> so i um 
but when the, the pitch came out, it was basically uh, the, the timeliness worked well too. So the Shadow Over Porter Germain like is it is a horror anthology, but we had it tagged with weird fiction, which I do think weird is primarily an offshoot of, of horror. There are exceptions to that. But definitely the weird that I'm interested in is horror weird, is the unsettling and dark. Uh, but the, the timing in terms of when we pitched, uh, weird was on the rise. There was, the, especially because of season one of True Detective, uh, you had Thomas Ligotti entering mainstream stuff. You had mm-hmm. uh, even Canadian writers like Simon Stratzis and uh, Gemma Files and all, all these cheesy people were, were coming up through the ranks. And so it was very easy for me to point out to them uh, I, I know this group of people who are all working in this field that is is actually gaining some pretty good critical momentum. You aren't publishing anything like this. Are you interested? And it turns out they were. And that was basically wonder, it. Do you think part of the whole reluctance to do genre is has to do with the grant system in Canada? Like, be, like I wonder if it's a thing that publishers maybe are wary of, even even if they're interested in it, mm-hmm. like calling it horror necessarily, because of the like pres- like the fact that you've got these, they're trying to get funding for the projects. I, I wonder if there's just like the public perception of it mm-hmm. is almost like, I, I wonder if it's more of a marketing issue that revolves around people thinking a grants jury might be averse to it, even if they're not necessarily. I don't know, but there's an ask that question. But it's I'm just kind of like, curious about that's that. Sort of, that. That's an interesting, like, further down the depths of the, the publishing world. Like, you'd have to see what they're... Because I would imagine, too, like, I, I don't know how often they, they pitch for grants based on a particular project versus yeah, their catalog for the next number of years. And if, if the whole idea is to tap into as many audiences as possible, you'd think they should. They should have at least one in their catalog at all times hmm. but they fucking don't they just don't yeah um, or they, they like all pile on, to it yeah they pile onto a particular one so right now actually something that i find is getting an obscene amount of attention not because it's unworthy but uh there can't be that many good ones is crime novels like it's just all of a hmm. sudden the surge of crime and there is really good crime fiction out there but it just like the horror, the horror boom of the '80s. Like not all of them were good, but they were popular at the time. So you just snatch them up, uh, and that just that seems to be the, the current oversaturation. Is crimes everywhere? How'd you guys develop your pitch? Uh... We consulted very clo- closely with Keith. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, because we knew that we knew that Shadow had had been a success, and we had a project in mind that was very similar, and so we. Uh, we asked him in no you know, uncertain terms, well, how did you make it work? So we, we took his advice and we uh, talked about how you know, this is a market that's growing, this is a market that, where the individual writers are seeing success in a collection like this that expands upon uh, on the scope of speculative fiction could also potentially be a success and are you interested? And they were and we carried forward from there. Um, and we kind of began, I feel like sometimes maybe we had too many steps involved between our first query and actually, um, signing the agreement, but we, we did, we were trying to be as diligent as possible. So here's, here's our query. Here's a sampling of stories that we have to show off what the anthology is, you know, going to be like overall. Uh, here's a full manuscript. 
okay, they like it, here's a contract. I feel like that's a lot of steps involved, but initially you would just like to say, okay, here's the whole book. But we kind of wanted to uh, speed things up, and so ahead of actually having a full manuscript completed, we just kind of assembled what we had at the time and got it out there to try and expedite the process. Mm. Next time, I don't know if I would do that. Next time, no, I'd, I'd agree. Um, because, <clears throat> pardon me, um, Shadow was fairly new when we started querying, and we didn't know how how well it was going to do. Like, this is a new publisher taking a chance. It's the same publisher. I'm really happy that they're branching off into genre. Um, so, like, having that query first with, like, a few solid big names, a few names that weren't so well-known, but that gave you a feel for the book. Um, it was really important to us at the time because we're like, we don't want to commit to an anthology if we can't deliver. So, so you had a few people signed on, like like you had a couple stories or a couple people yeah. in mind. Had you had uh, stories at that point? I can't, I'm trying to remember. We had some. We, we had just we, six. We hadn't put together a full okay. manuscript just yet. Did you Keith have actually like some stories locked down at that point then, or when you we were did around? like we, we pretty much had enough to because like I said it was it was a writers group so I I was pretty I had asked who wants to be involved and who doesn't okay uh, so it wasn't necessarily that we had assembled a full manuscript but I had a good we list could. of eleven twelve people who would give me something if I asked for it and we pitched like I met with Enfield and Wazenti with nothing. Like I, I gave them the query. They asked me to come in and talk about it. Apparently, it sounded like I knew what I was talking about. They asked to see the whole manuscript. Sure. Um, and then after they had seen it, then it was, yeah, we're we're gonna take it. Um, so it, it it wasn't quite as many steps, but I think that was a wise decision, especially because they are sort of dipping their toe in it um, and and being able to show here here's what we have rather than the risk of. <coughs> Uh, signing up to do this giant project too early and then not being able to, to carry it through would have been worse. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, there's a financial reality involved mm -hmm. too. Um, speaking only for myself and maybe Adam, we're both people who have, you know, little kids to pay for and daycare isn't cheap and schooling mm -hmm. isn't cheap and everything, nothing is cheap in this world. And signing off on paying, in this case, 17 other authors the rate mm -hmm. for their stories out of pocket with no promise that we'll have a publisher and then wind up yeah. with a manuscript that we can't move anywhere mm -hmm. is a hit to our family budget that we can't really take. Uh, so we were a little cautious in how we pushed the material out and how we solicited publishers so that we weren't getting in too deep mm -hmm. uh, in terms of money. Yeah, And it was important to us to um, pay people promptly for their work because we do believe in paying people for their work even if you know, it's not a grandiose amount. We still believe in paying for that work. And yeah, Darren and I paid <clears throat> out of pocket, off our paychecks for everybody, because <clears throat> there was no guarantee that there was gonna be a publisher. Sure. You know, like we, we considered like if nobody wanted it that we'd self-publish it and we'd self-fund it because we believed in the stories, we believe in the writers. So we, yeah. Paid everybody out of pocket and hope for the best. Yeah, we've all been I think that's a normal situation for anthologies. I, I did mine differently. I didn't pay anybody anything, but I got an advance. Plus, I had the 
mm-hmm. um, publisher pay all the authors. But I, I was actually shocked that they agreed to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's not a normal thing. I don't know why they did that. Yeah, and the shadow—they were all paid out of out of the advance. So yeah, that's that, more that normal. That's how they were paid, um, and I didn't get paid. No. <laughs> I think what they did with me was they paid the other authors, then they gave me a smaller advance than I might have got otherwise. But I'm not sure. Mm. That's that's possible. Yeah, and I guess we felt that, like that's how it ultimately worked out for us too, because money went out, and then when the advance came in, it kind of just canceled out what we paid. Yeah, but at least yeah. to, to know to know that it was coming back in made the thing feasible for us. Mm-hmm. So and that's a year apart. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a slow process. Yeah. So the fourth question is just kind of development of this. Like, how did you actually develop the manuscript? Because none of us, you guys, uh, with Parallel Prairies, had the most stuff, the most manuscript, I guess. Keith, you had like a list of names, more or less, and I guess you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe a couple of pieces in mind. I had not even list of names. Like I had like people I would like to have in this anthology, maybe. So for me, it was a very it's complex process of developing. So this is also pain 100%, but a different brand. It's like, not 100%. Pain is good. 100% pain is good. Is Sorry. One of theirs. Okay. This but is pain is good. Pain is good. Less intense. The habanero one, no, though. This is habanero. We're going up. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'm taking a bite before I finish this question. Mm. Let's smear that around. That's getting a little hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! That's a bit of a leap. Ooh. Oh, oh nice. no! It's no, not too bad. But you can taste the the, the jump. Yeah, we we oh, <coughs> oh we've crossed the pre- threshold. I was previously drinking okay, milk just for I'm fun, gonna... but now I kind of like think I might take a real sip. I'm, I'm gonna hold off. Anyway, oh, it's still oh, tasty. Oh my gosh! Super good. It's still tasty. I like it. I like habanero, but I do. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to hiccup a little bit. Uh, anyway. So I signed a co-editor on. At this point, I my, my, my friend, I was just too busy to do this anthology that I had now coming out. Um, so I got my friend Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had just co-edited a, a special issue of a, the magazine Dandelion okay. together uh, on the same topic, <coughs> like humor and experience of poetry. Who was actually <laughs> creeping up at me. <coughs> and... Um, Anyway, so I signed him on to like help me out with this anthology, and we jumped up like a list of we, we put a call out and got some submissions that way. But then we also got a list of like people together, basically like who didn't submit to the call. <laughs> it's getting hotter and hotter. I'm not even taking more bites. <coughs> this is a horrible song. <laughs> oh my god! All right, you, all right. Everyone looks uncomfortable. <clears throat> I'll finish my story, then I'll finish my wing while you guys talk. But um, <laughs> this whole thing is just gonna be a bunch of spikes. Of us. <laughs> it's all just gonna be spikes. Of us. I'm just gonna turn the game down slightly. Maybe. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so anyways, a combo of like getting like, doing a call and like just literally like going through books. Me and Ryan, like, hey, let's see if we can get this poem and reprint it. Let's see if we can get this poem reprinted and just wish listing our way towards our manuscript. Holy fuck! <laughs> Someone else answer the question. How did you actually develop it? Get, get your full mess. Fuck, right. this is what? brutal. Uh, what? <laughs> it sort of, uh, it sort of functioned in stages. So, Darren and Adam, you guys were telling me that you sort of split the manuscript between you. Uh, for Dustin and I, we were both. Oh God! I'm cleaning um, his wings, though. Like he, I'm not going to be a bitch he, about it. He was, <laughs> he was still finishing his PhD. And I was teaching at the time. So we both had fairly busy schedules. And uh, it, it sort of worked out that uh, 
at one point he would he would be too busy to work on it at all and I would take on the whole thing and then I would become too busy and I would have to sort of shunt it all onto him so um, a lot of uh, substantive edits in the early stages <laughs> I did a fair bit of those Jesus Christ uh, just as the stories were coming in and deciding like are there are there structural problems are there are the stories too long um, are there ways that we have to make them a more cohesive whole um, I did a fair bit of that at the beginning and then uh, whew, not all of them but uh, uh, and then as we got later in the process I ended up getting too busy uh, and then uh, quite a bit of like the proofing and copy editing fell to Dustin and the, the writers themselves and then some of the, the, the stories that had taken longer to get edited so then he would take over the, the later substantive edits but that that it was sort of like the trade-off it, it was sort of we each functioned as a single editor wrangling all of them alone for a while and then dumped it onto the other person and so I, I'm sure as you guys discovered like a lot of these people were, were friends our friends continue to be friends uh, but the fucking herding of cats uh, <laughs> right, uh, trying to keep it all together really became a problem and especially when there are people that you know uh, and, and you're feeling the crunch and they're just not delivering and just the good the rage bubbles <laughs> i was dealing with people nationally and also people with permissions like previous yeah. published stuff so i now i've got to get the publisher's permission as well as the author like it became a real nightmare yeah i mean yeah you're you're absolutely right um well, as i was saying to adam after this was all said and done uh my day job is to be the one of two editors for a newspaper company that puts out six newspapers every single week each of which has a staff reporter, and each of which has around a half a dozen contributing columnists. So the cat herding is something I do <laughs> yes, every sir. single week. Sure, I'm numb, I'm numb yeah, to it. To. I'm numb to it in the way that I wish I was numb to this bloody sauce. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? It wasn't that bad. When I first took the bite. I, I was like, oh, that's just, hot. That as, was as, a creeper. As, as, <laughs> still going. As far as like, yeah, it just will not extract. <laughs> it's it will not, not even like it's like the fifth one. It will not extract like from my tongue. Yeah. Um, is it the fourth one? But Fucking it. it, it, it <laughs> 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 I even think it's that movie that. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the other ones are not as bad, but. It, yeah, it, it's more that that was the slow build. It, at first, but it was like, fine. From the very beginning, I was saying to Adam, because, because this is kind of a first uh, editing experience for him on a big project, where we were waiting for the submissions to come in. Yeah. The deadline was coming up, and I said, Adam, they're writers. <laughs> it's going yeah. to take a while. Yeah. And we had one submission that came in, swear to God, 11.59 p.m. on the last day of submissions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I sent him the screen cap of it, and I said, oh. <laughs> Was mine. You? Yeah. It was mine. It was yours. <laughs> it was mine. It was Keith's. I forgot. That's funny. Okay, called out. Um, <laughs> but no, I just, I was like, yeah, you see? So that was, I, I'm used to like having to email a person a second or third time. Um, luckily for us, for the, for the most part, our contributors were pretty prompt and pretty straightforward with what what uh, we needed from them. Uh, here's the edits that we suggest to your piece. And 90% of them said, yeah, okay, so it looks good to me. And then, you yeah. know, negotiation is part of it. I, I've never gone into a... Whether it was reviewing something to see if I wanted to accept it into the book or doing an edit to it to make it better, I didn't sit down to it thinking... Uh, I'm ready to not like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I didn't go into it saying, okay, I'm ready to reject this, and now they have to prove me wrong. Yeah. Um, I came to every piece in good faith. 
And I try not to go to the trouble of rewriting people's stuff too extensively because if I'm going to do that, then why bother printing it at all? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so people were pretty easy to deal with for the most part. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I mean, like you had touched on earlier, Darren and I had read all the stories on the initial you got submission. submissions. Though, you got, yeah, yeah. We both we both had to agree on the story. Yeah, and then. We'd sit down with the coffee for an afternoon together, and we'd be editing stories together, or I'd go to his work, we'd be sitting in the cafeteria, talking merits of this story, the merits of that story, what we like about this, what we don't, how are we going to do this, and then we divided the work. Right. So one, one, one of us was dealing with half of the authors, the other was yeah. dealing with the other half of the authors, <laughs> so that we didn't have an author who was talking to both of us at the same time, ever. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. See, I dealt with everybody. Like Ryan was really involved in everything, but like he was more. We had a Dropbox folder, and we kind of split up the work. But then I was. We decided it would be easier with like one point person, for like people who lived near him or he knew he would be the point person. But yeah. for the most part, it was like everything. Like I dealt with the press and everything. It was just simpler that with one person. Well, I'd agree that like Darren and I also have different styles of what we like, right? So sure. It was a nice balance and blend, right? Of maybe he was leaning more to stories that we both agreed on, but he was like more of a champion of, right? And same on my end, right? And getting this balance of stuff that we thought was a good representation of speculative fiction. And and that was pretty easy to get through. There, the only real jockeying that came with that was when it came to determining the order of the thing. Yeah, I mean, structuring the anthology is important because maybe you have all the right stories, but if you put them in the wrong orders, people aren't going to like it because it won't flow or it won't begin in the right way or end in the right way. So that's going to feed into this next question here, which is like, what? Because just because I know a little bit of the background of that with you guys, so what was like working with the publisher, like, and what kind of changes did they suggest or make? I found the publishers were pretty hands off. I was in dealing with Sonic Crest. They were pretty hands-off except like like they were very hands-on for like coffee editing and a bunch of stuff but they were pretty hands-off with like how I wanted to put it together and see what's it they let us go like it's a ridiculously long anthology like for a poetry book and they had a few questions about like because of my, for my experimental poetry a lot of it's um a lot of it's you know, like like authors plagiarizing basically like, like it's not plagiarizing because but like using found work so like there's a futurama meme for example in it and there was like a lot of concern the biggest concern from the publisher for our anthology was what if um you you got these things that are kind of like are they copyright violations because you know the copyright law had just been changed at that point in history like had it just redone their this copyright law and the question was like, what cons- was considered fair dealing, or you know, Canada's version of fair use? And the short answer to that question is, just nobody knows what fair dealing is. Like in Canadian copyright law, this is a bit of a trivia for people listening. In Canadian copyright law, there's this thing like you can violate copyright under certain conditions, and one of them is if you're doing fair dealing. If you're, you know, if it's fair dealing, and there's different things that like a court would consider when determining whether or not something is fair dealing, but there's no definition of fair dealing. Like the term is not defined in the copyright law, even though it's the one exception to copyright is when you're doing fair dealing. Yeah. So the, the idea of this, and this is like Harper's government that was doing this, the idea was more or less it is along the lines of, well, we'll let people sue each other to determine what is fair dealing. <clears throat> Things very, yeah. you know, like market. sort of how Canadian legislation works. Though, yeah. You need the precedent in order to prove what the law is. So and there's no precedent yet. 
so the question figuring it out <laughs> yeah so like the publisher had a, like a concern of like well is this or is that you know going to be stepping over the line because you know we got like a you know this Futurama meme in there for example and it's like a Facebook screenshot and things like this it's like is Facebook going to get upset or Futurama or 20th Century Fox or something and, and my thing was like what I, what I said was look I go I don't think anyone's going to give a shit because it's poetry <laughs> but if, it's, if it makes you uncomfortable we'll take it out but I think you should just let it go worst case scenario what happens we pulp the run of the books we recall it and pulp it and they're like and to, to their credit they're like yeah yeah fuck it <laughs> so they just said go so which one's this Adam right. this is the are you okay Darren I just uh... He's he's nervous. He's, I don't trust you anymore. He's reassessing his life choices. <laughs> this here. doesn't have as much sauce on it. This you is heard, garlic you, style. You heard me before. What is it garlic style? Yeah. Is paint, this paint is good still? Still paint is good. So it's essentially the same, but it's got garlic in it. Yeah, I'm a, well, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of this company. <laughs> I feel like this is a question that requires a very skillful answer, so I want to actually get. <laughs> I don't want to eat this and then have to deal with it. <laughs> okay, well, how about you respond yeah, right yeah, now? You respond what, while we. What, what, what is the question? It's actually not that hot. <laughs> oh, just like can you talk about working with the publisher? So, um, with an anthology, like how is it working with the publisher? What kind of things might they have? Are they suggesting? What, like where? Like the question is kind of geared towards how is it? <clears throat> what's how it like working with an apology publisher for an anthology? Oh. Um, honestly, I didn't think that, I, I didn't find that they. Um, I don't find it hard yet. I didn't find that they had much to say in terms of how exactly we made the book or put to get put the book together. They did have a suggestion that we ended up following through on, because um, we're we're certainly willing to listen to them. They're the they're the publisher and they put out books all the time, and we're neophytes to it. And what they came up with, what we had yeah, a we, we we put together a structure. Um, that we were happy with, but they came back and said, okay, look, we, we noticed that these stories all kind of take place at very specific points in the year. They're not all universally winter stories or summer stories or yeah. whatever. So why don't we structure it like a calendar so that the book starts in the summer, carries through fall, winter, and spring, and ends back at summer. That was building a little bit. And we went. Just a little. Uh, it's going to be like we, the last one. Just, yeah. Sorry. And we went, yeah, yeah. All right. Now <coughs> I, know what I didn't really notice now, that. Now I know what I'm in for. But, but we thought, hey, you know what? Good idea. And then from there, we just went, okay, but but we chose our ending story because we thought it had a very evocative ending and we wanted to end on a powerful note. So can we make this swap to, let's put this story at the end instead of this story so that we still have kind of a powerful end note while still maintaining your idea. And they were fine with that. So it was kind of a case of both of us just... Meeting um, in the middle. Meeting in the middle and being into one another's suggestions, which which was great. Otherwise, they didn't really they, they didn't cut any of the stories that we included in the original manuscript. Yeah, I never They're had all any there. Um, so I mean that that part of it went very smoothly. This yeah. one, Darren, by the way, I don't. I mean, I thought it was building on me, but it, it never really did all right, come back. I'm gonna, me, so I'm fine. Keith's having right. a problem with it, but yeah, me, it's, it's hitting me. To me, it's like nothing. Well, let's let's see. It, it felt like it was coming on. It felt like it was creeping on me, but it never it never came. It's a little bit of Here's a thing. I grew up with kind of a Central European diet, so I'm very I'm very accustomed <laughs> very to garlic, cheap, meat, and potatoes. Garlic is I'm into garlic. I love so garlic. See. Yeah, but it might have just been that there was less sauce on it, but uh, I didn't find it to be a big milk deal. is mouthwash, man. Milk is mouthwash. I don't find milk really helps that much. It no. just is like you hold your tongue, like the milk in your mouth, and like. You just have your tongue sitting in the middle. <laughs> then yeah. it's like kind of okay for a second. That's how it goes. That's why you're supposed to yeah, chew bread. That was pretty good. It's all right. 
Yeah, I didn't find out I'm, that bad. I'm gonna go get my other beer just in case, though. <laughs> Does beer help? I'm kind of to down um, here. It's um. But I don't think I will. it's not hurting. You didn't have any. Did you have any stories cut, Keith? Or? No, they didn't cut any. We did. Um, the original, the first draft of manuscript was quite a bit longer than the final cut, and they threatened us that if it wasn't cut down, that if the, the overall word count didn't come down, something was going to be cut. Sure. So I was able to go to the back to the writers and say, if you don't fucking cut these, especially the really long stories, if you don't cut it and you have a really long story, yours is the most likely to be cut because it's, making, it's taking up the most room. Um, and we can get in two, maybe three stories where your story would would eat up all the space. And so that was, that was a really good incentive to get people to cut five, six, ten thousand words of overly bloated stories. Yes, and then when we delivered the final manuscript, it was within the range that they wanted, so they didn't have to cut anything. Jesus Christ! Really? You find that one? See, I, I still didn't think that was a big deal. Though. Okay, I think maybe it depends on the beer because the last one I was drinking wasn't giving me a problem. A sip of this one just seems to inflame my taste buds immediately. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I'm not drinking beer, or whiskey, or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the alcohol was an issue. I'm out of alcohol. Well, you had a you had a stout going, so like the mm-hmm. the thick, the nice thick beer. Probably that last I one I stuck liked. With that. Number six, question six, guys. Fuck off. Where's my wing? <laughs> we can take a minute. I might split this. I might split this episode in two. Like, uh, if, uh, it's yeah. What it's was? Over. But here's like, the <laughs> is it spilling over you? No, the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can do whatever I want, but I'll just split it up. I, I used to just the, the second half is the second cliffhanger. Like, who survives? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll take a bite and then I'll like maybe. You like people be like, oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> They're like, cut. Kate is on the ground weeping. Yeah. <laughs> the trick is to not breathe out.